Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Fishing for Men with Mac show. Ladies and gentlemen, good day. I am so excited to introduce to you a new topic that I will be dealing with in all the uh, upcoming podcast shows on Fishing for Men with Mac. And it is entitled, Islam is a Bad Idea. Now, you might be interested in this topic immediately. Or when you hear the word Muslim and you think about it, it doesn't really inspire you at all and you feel a little bit bored with it. Um, But before you decide how you feel about this topic, let me first tell you why I believe it's an important topic to deal with. And let me just start off by saying this. It is the fastest growing religion in the world. Now, I will still expand on this later in a future podcast as to why it is growing so fast because that is also an important topic to talk about but for now as i as i sit here and i speak about this there are 2.3 billion christians in the world i think there's about six or seven billion people in the world 2.3 billion of them claim to be christian and 1.9 billion claim to be muslims it has been estimated by some studies that by the year 2060 there will be more muslims in the world than Christians. I mean, if you think about it at this stage, uh, Europe, uh, Islam is spreading tremendously in Europe. Uh, France, I think, has got about 7 million Muslims. Uh, Germany has got loads of Muslims. The UK has got loads of Muslims. It is just growing exponentially there. And it's also because of the migration that comes from Syria, etc. So it's happening in Europe. Um, the States, uh, not so much. If you're listening to this podcast, you're from the States, then uh, Islam is not as big as a threat there um, as a growing uh, religion from 2007 until 2017. Uh, the Islamic population has increased by 1 million people approximately. That's about 100,000 people um, turning or being born into uh, Islam per year so it's also growing in the states but the figures uh, or the amount of muslims in the states are are really uh, quite small now i live here in durban uh, south africa there are hundreds of thousands of muslims here um uh, we see them on a daily basis we interact with them we do business with them or we don't do business with them and it's and that's another discussion for another day uh, across the uh, valley here from my house uh, i can actually see the house from where i'm sitting here uh, we have uh, a an, a gentleman that that came from malawi he was a christian in malawi and he came to south africa to find work to provide for his family back in malawi he arrived here in durban and the uh, brother of his or his family member arranged a job for him and the first thing that he was told when he landed here is that his his his, his employer is a muslim and he would also have to convert to islam and that is what he did and i think that is highly unfair i don't think that is nice at all that an employer would say, uh, before I can pay you, before you can be employed by me, you have to become a Muslim. This guy's left his family and everything behind. And so he was basically stranded here with really no option at all. Um, and so he had to learn the Arabic language. He got a new name. Uh, he got picked up on Fridays. He had to, And he got bought the clothes that they've got to wear when they go pray. Uh, he got picked up to go pray on Fridays and things like that. And, you know, I often converse with him and he... He's, he's actually finding that quite hard that he has to uh, deal with something like that. 
this is why I think it's an important topic to discuss. Not only because it's the f- fastest growing religion in the world, but also because of the things that uh, happens in Islam. Um, most Christians that I meet cannot discuss their faith with these guys in an accurate way. They don't even know what Islam is about. That's why I would like to talk about it and, and tell people what the faith is really uh, about. I mean, in the Middle East, Islam is huge. Massive discussions are held in places like Pakistan and India and, you know, the United Arab uh, Emirates. All those all those countries are having massive rallies. Um, they are having big talks about their faith and really breaking down uh, atheism, Christianity and all other belief systems or worldviews. And, you know, generally the people that I meet, they've got no idea what this faith is about and since it's such a growing uh, a movement, a growing religion, it is something that we're going to come across sometime or another. I've come across it quite a few times. If you haven't, it's going to come sometime or another. So, although most people in places uh, that I'm acquainted with are not really threatened by Islam, um, that doesn't mean that our children will not come face to face with this faith at some point in their lives and either be sort of uh, pushed into it, like this uh, friend of mine from Malawi, or being um, seduced into it or or being threatened into it because they don't really understand it. Uh, or they will be um, sort of lured into it uh, because they don't understand it fully. So it's important to talk about this faith, its credentials, its validity. And if you're a lover of truth, and if you're a fisher of men, this is a topic that you cannot avoid. Sometime or another, you will have to face the Islamic religion. And as the uh, title of my podcast suggests, and I think that you've picked up already, I firmly believe that Islam is a bad idea. And this is not to break down the um, the good people that uh, submit to this religion. It's not aimed at Muslims. This is aimed at the religion itself. Okay, so uh, in the coming shows, I will tell you why I hold this view. And so you can be informed and, and be aware of it, especially for the sake of your children, for the sake of future generations, and for the sake if you possibly come across this uh, type of teaching or these types of uh, people in your life. So let me just reiterate this. I'm not saying that Muslims are bad. I'm saying that the religion of Islam is a bad idea. So for today's podcast, to launch this, I will be dividing it into two sections. First, I'll look at the question, how did Islam start? And just give you a basic, basic, basic overview, how it started. And then secondly, I will answer the question, who was Muhammad? Now, let me start off by saying that the word Islam means submission to the will of Allah. A Muslim is a follower of the religion of Islam. In other words, someone who submits to the will of Allah. This religion was started by a man by the name of Muhammad. If you've never heard that name, I'm sure you have. But he's the founder of this religion. He was born in 570 AD in Mecca. At that stage, uh, it was called Makkah. And there was a temple there which is called the Kaaba or which means cube. It was a place of worship where the god Hubal was the main god. Now, Hu means spirit and Baal refers also to the Old Testament god Baal that you read about in the Bible, which means Lord or Master. So this temple, this this cube, this Kaaba was a worshipping place for the pagan god um, 
Hubal, which is, I would say, a sort of a, uh, a derivative of the ancient Old Testament god Baal. Now, there were 360 idols worshipped at this place as well. So there was a statue of Hubal, and then there were 360 other idols, other types of gods that were um, also uh, worshipped around this cube. But it's quite a big thing. It's quite 13, me 13 meters high, etc. You can go Google it. Go, go Google it. K-A-A-B-A. -A -A. Um, now, this is the place where the Muslims go once in their lifetime called the Hajj. They walk around this cube um, story seven times and say certain prayers. And I'm going to tell you about that in a moment. Now, Muhammad was born and grew up in this town where this where this cube is, where, where these gods were worshipped. He was orphaned and, and then he was raised by his grandfather and later his uncle. At first he was a shepherd boy but later became a trader and quite a good businessman apparently. Uh, on one of his uh, business uh, trips or, or through his um, means of making money, he met a lady by the name of Khadija. She was 15 years older than him and, and then he married her. He didn't like the uh, the pagan worshipping of, of the gods around the Kaaba. And so what he rather would, would do is he would go up into the mountains and find some caves and go pray in these caves. Now in the year 610 AD, that's about 600 years after Jesus, okay, on one such cave expedition he was praying and um, then he met an angel. An angel appeared to him and his name apparently was Gabriel. Um, now, apparently, uh, Muhammad couldn't read, so the angel told him to recite words that he was given by the angel, uh, which he did. And from then on, for basically the rest of his life, he received these messages from this angel, and he would recite whatever the angel tells him to recite. And his friends or acquaintances or special people would then write down these recitations um, into a book, and or into onto pages, and these were later on after his death compiled into a book that we know today, which is called the Quran. And Quran means recitation. About ten years after uh, his initial encounter with Gabriel, his wife and his uncle, his uncle died, and he's down and out, and he's mourning, and he decides to go pray by the Kaaba. Remember who the, where the Kaaba was, the cube with all these gods. And while he was there, Gabriel appears to him again, places him on a horse that flies him to Jerusalem. It's a flying horse and um, where he meets with all the prof prophets that have ever lived, inclusive of Jesus. And from there, he's taken up to heaven where Allah tells him to pray five prayers a day and to, to be strong. Long story short, uh, he's, he's then taken back to, to Mecca and he, he starts really having a big following. And the people who start following, they, they're called Muslims. And they start to be persecuted by the people of Mecca. And so they, uh, they flee. Uh, Muhammad, for example, fled with most of his people to a town just north from there, which um, we understand today as Medina. And from there, he engaged three times in war with the people of Mecca. And basically, uh, in the end, he marched up to Mecca with 10,000 people and the city surrendered. He took over the city and then he went to the Kaaba and he smashed all of the idols to these other gods. And then he dedicated this cube, this Kaaba to his God, Allah. Okay. And that's the birth of this religion. Now, 
that's sort of just briefly the story of how the religion came to be. And the first point, if you want to test if a religion is good or valid or, or something that you would like to follow, you need to start with uh, identifying the person who started it and asking the question, who was this person? Who is the founder of this religion? Wouldn't you say that's the most important question? Before I can follow this religion, let me first go look at who started it. All right. Who was Muhammad? And that brings us to the second section of this podcast. He received some visions, apparently from an angel. He's the only one that can confirm this and he is dead. So I can't go talk to Muhammad now and ask him, listen, um, did you really see this angel and do you have any proof? How do we know it is not hallucinations or a lie? The whole Islamic faith is based on Muhammad's recitations, which he received apparently from an angel that nobody else saw. But I want you to just think about that. Isn't that a bit dodgy? He's the only guy that saw the angel. Okay. He's the only witness of this. He wrote down some words and we've got to believe that this is real, that, he, that he's from God. Essentially, everyone who are Muslims believe in Muhammad being a messenger and prophet of God. Every Muslim proclaims in what they call the Shahada. This is the main thing that every Muslim has to say. And here it is. I testify that there is no God but Allah. And I testify that Muhammad is a messenger of God. So if you want to be a Muslim, you have to accept that Muhammad is a messenger of God or a prophet of God and that he was sent by Allah. This is the basic creed or the tenet of Islam. These are the first words that Muslim babies are taught to recite. These are the first words that you say as a Muslim. And so, so most Muslims, they believe that Muhammad spoke the truth. You cannot be a Muslim unless you believe this man was from God. So their faith is in Muhammad. Now, I don't, want to be, I don't want to be funny. But before I can put my faith in any man, I would first like to know who he is. Okay, And at the outset, I would like to say that he is not the type of man that I would trust, follow, or base my faith on. And this does not negate. This does not negate the fact that he was an exceptional man. He, had, he really had some serious talent. He seems to have been a great leader. Some in our history have said that he's the greatest leader the world had ever seen. He was great at conquest. He was great at politics. Uh, he was great at bringing people together as well, um, which, is, which is phenomenal. But he wasn't from God. Here are my reasons. And so I could point out some good things about him. And I think that there are many good things. I'm not going to negate that. Every person on this planet, you can point out good things and bad things. I'm just saying that if a founder of any religion really comes from God, I don't think there would be any bad things. Okay, I'm not going to follow a man like that. Okay, because human beings are generally not trustworthy. And this is too flimsy for me to put my faith on. So here are my reasons. Let me tell you a little bit about Muhammad. Let me tell you about his wives, for example. Allah told him, Allah told, he recited this. Okay, so, so Muhammad recited this, that you can only have four wives. But he had 13. So that I find interesting. So everybody else must have four wives, but he's got 13. He, he wants us to do what Allah says, but he doesn't even obey him. 
He recited commands from Allah, but didn't himself have to obey it. So did God approve of this? I read some people say, well, the reason why he could have 13 gods was, is because he was, oh, 13 wives, was because he was God's special messenger or prophet. I don't know. That doesn't sit so well with me. So the rules count for the rest of the people in the faith, but not for its founder. Okay. The second thing about his wives is that some people have called him a pedophile and um, it's because he was betrothed to be married to a six-year-old girl and her name was Aisha. He only married her at age nine. And I know um, that uh, some people look at this and they say, no, but he waited until she was in puberty, for example. And, and to be fair, in those days, it was a customary marriage for various reasons. But still, to be honest with you, it's quite disturbing for me that a man over the age of 50, he was 53 years old, would have intercourse with a nine-year-old girl. To be honest with you, that's a little bit sadistic for me. Um, and, and to make matters even a little bit worse is that apparently Muhammad claimed that Allah had given Aisha to him in a dream. So this is not only that a man did, but his God also in a dream that nobody else saw that cannot be confirmed, uh, indicated that it is okay for him to, to have this, that God told him he could marry this nine-year-old girl. Another thing about his wives is that his fifth wife was actually the wife of his nephew. The story of how this happened was written like this. I'm going to read it to you. One day Muhammad went out looking for Zaid. Now that is his, his nephew. There was a covering over here, covering of hair cloth over the doorway. That's now at Zaid's house. But the wind had lifted the covering so that the doorway was uncovered. Zainab was in her chamber. Now Zainab is Zaid's wife. Okay. Undressed and admiration for her entered the heart of the prophet. You know, this sounds quite normal. You see a naked woman and what you see enters your heart. The, these guys write. After that, listen to this. Allah made her unattractive to Zaid and he divorced Zainab. Okay. And then after that, Muhammad married her. Now, I don't, want, I don't want to be funny, but this is a very strange God, the God of marriage, the, the God who created male and female. Okay, so the prophet sees another man's wife. He likes her. He desires her in his heart. And then what does Allah do? Allah goes and he changes her husband's heart so that he divorces her. Okay, so this God is cool with divorce. In actual fact, he makes divorce happen. And then he lets the prophet marry another man's wife that has been divorced. I don't know. That's, that's, that's a bit dodge for me. So his wives, that, that, you know, there's a few things there that's just strange for me. And then uh, another issue is this issue of rape. Um, many things that Muhammad recited um, that apparently came from the angel Gabriel justify rape in certain circumstances like for example if you take a woman captive if you conquer a place or the children of non-muslims now so he recited these things which was allowed now we can see this play out in some of the events in muhammad's life uh, the hadith which is which includes the biographical details of muhammad's life tells us about muhammad who was 57 years old and ordered the death of a 17 year old girl by the name of safiya Okay, he ordered Sophia's family members, the men in her house, to be um, to, to, to be beheaded, to be killed, and then he raped her. She was considered the booty of war, as Allah promised. Another instance is recorded where Muhammad saw a Jewish married lady named Rehana. 
He found her attractive, ordered the beheading of her husband, and then he raped her. So at least two times in the uh, in the uh, historical records, we see that Muhammad raped um, women. There might have been some other cases. Um, yeah, that's not the type of person that I would follow. And then there's a third thing is, is, is beheading. Muhammad ordered the beheading of between 500 to 900 Jews of the Banu Kureza tribe. It has been said that he himself participated in beheading some of these men with his own sword. The bodies were buried in a mass grave in the marketplace of Medina. He had the women and children then sold into slavery. I don't want to be funny. I don't know if you've ever seen a beheading. I have, not uh, over a video, and I regret ever seeing that. And one of the things that came to my mind when I saw that is that a person that can cut off somebody else's head is a person that I don't want to be associated with. It is a person that has got the sickest mind in the world. And this is what this Muhammad actually did. He participated in beheading people. When he conquered a Jewish settlement, he tortured the chief of the Jews there. His name was Kinana in order for him to reveal that there was a treasure there. He was tortured with fire and then he was later uh, beheaded. And he then, Muhammad then took his young wife as his own concubine. You know, many people would look at this and say, and I know these are some of the responses from the Muslim community where they say, yeah, but these were different times. You know, this is how conquest worked in those days, etc., etc. I don't believe that any culture would dictate that things like this is okay. Murder, rape, beheading people, um, taking other people's, um, other men's wives, that is universally unacceptable for all time in the mind of the God who created the universe. I cannot accept that. There are lots of other facts regarding his views on sex slavery. I'm not even going to talk about that. He approved of it and he participated in it. Normal slavery also played a huge role in Muhammad's life. Even today, many Muslims treat others as slaves. I've seen it with my own eyes. He also didn't tolerate anyone who wrote things opposing him or anybody mocking him. He ordered the death of about 13 poets and songwriters. And that's some of the history that you can go and look at. So let me just conclude. Lots of stuff and I've just summarized it. But go check out check out these details for yourself. Go, go Google it yourself. The non-Muslims of his day called him the madman or the possessed. During his recitations, these moments that he, uh, I don't know, connected with uh, the angel Gabriel when he received these revelations, he sometimes growled like a camel, foamed at his mouth and streamed with perspiration. What one historian says. So the question is, was this guy really a prophet of God or was he a madman? Uh, these are the facts of his life. Now we can try to explain it away. But these types of things cannot be explained away. They might be able to be lightened. Maybe he could still have been a good guy in his day. But the question is this. Is this the type of guy that I want to follow? Whose words I want to trust? Whose witness I want to trust? The whole of the Muslim faith rests on Muhammad being a prophet or a messenger from God. I am sorry. I cannot follow a man like this. Or trust anything he says to come from the creator of the universe. I cannot say the Shahada with a rational mind. I cannot. The rules Allah gave him, Muslims must obey. But he doesn't have to. 53 years old, marrying a 9 year old. Sure, I can't approve of that. His God ordered the divorce of his nephew so he could marry her. 
I cannot stand for that. He raped other men's wives after he murdered them and sold their children into slavery. I cannot stand from that. He beheaded people with his own hands, his own sword. Oh my goodness. I don't even want to speak to a person like that. Even if these things were normal in their culture, I cannot follow such a man or believe anything he says. And I want to challenge everybody who does listen to this to stay far away from this faith. Love the people, but we cannot approve of this faith. And it's, I'm not being rude or cruel. I think that there are many good people in the Islamic faith. But if we go to the foundation of this faith, it was birthed out of pagan worship. The very temple that was dedicated to the worship of pagans, uh, pagan gods, is now the very temple that is still being uh, that is still seen as the place of worship for the Muslims. Once in their lifetime, they go to the Hajj, they still walk around that same cube where the pagan gods were worshipped. I would stay far away from a place like that. The founder himself was not a person uh, that I would say is somebody of integrity or good morality or holiness. Uh, maybe he could really pray well, but he's not the type of person that I would like to be like or follow. And neither do I want to actually know his God, be directed by his God, or follow the precepts of his God. Um, go look at the facts. This is just a brief introduction into him. Next week, we'll go a little bit deeper and further into the faith and explore some other issues. Uh, guys, have a wonderful, wonderful week. Continue wrestling with your faith and growing in your knowledge of the truth of why we exist, where we are going, where we come from, and how do we determine what is good and bad. Love you all. Cheers.